excited about our today's guest. It's my dear, dear, dear friend, foremost, but uh, clearly very super famous person and very well established. <laughs> who's who's in the, the super prof- famous person? <laughs> where? Where? Where the super famous person? I'm trying no, to find him. Exactly. Right. That's why I love you. Because you're very <laughs> humble as well. Yes. Oh my God. It is my dear fr- friend, Irvin. Benedict Valencia, is that yeah, your whole name? Wow. wow. <laughs> this may be the first time you actually said my whole name. I know. Feels kind of weird, doesn't it? I know, it does, yeah. <laughs> I'm used to calling you E, right? True, yeah. true. Yeah, you don't even call me EBV, which is obviously the acronym of my E-B-V. whole name. EBV. EBV, yeah, because mm. of the B. B so. yeah. But but you've always known me as E, my darling, so we'll keep it at that. That's so exciting to have you here in Estonia, in my studio, because Believe we were it. talking about it, that we we're going to do it like online yeah, at some yeah, point, for sure. but it happened like that. And I'm so happy and so excited. No, the person you need to be thankful for, for this situation is Carmen, because if it wasn't for Carmen, that kind of reminded you that, hey, is your friend actually here? Maybe he should do a podcast for you. <laughs> then this would not be happening because this whole time I arrive, I'm like, she hasn't said anything about me being a guest on a podcast. So I was wondering, did she just forget <laughs> that I'm like a podcast interview pro and she just left me to dust and thank God for Carmen that reminded her. It's like, hey, yes. maybe he needs to be on the podcast since he's here in, in your studio. And I said, you know what? If I have to, fine. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Carmen. Ooh, kudos. Yay. Thank you. Thank finger, you, Carmen. Finger snaps for Carmen. Finger snaps. Yes, finger yes, snaps. Yes, yes. Finger snaps. <laughs> no, I didn't forget that. Oh, you did. Stop yeah, it. yeah, I did. Yeah, I just like you forgot the fact that I was on time, early, and ready to come to this okay, podcast no, don't interview. Go there. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just saying. Okay, love, but can you please introduce yourself? Like, let's start from mm-hmm. what are you doing today? Today's topic is going to be mostly about gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're very which I'm also so excited about because it's like one of my best tool, like one of my favorite, favorite tools in this world to use for living a happier and more fulfilling life. So I'm very excited to get into that. But first of all, I would like our listeners to get to know you a little bit more. So uh, let's start with what are you doing now, like professionally? Mm. Professionally, I'm sitting down in your chair and doing this podcast with you. I could <laughs> at be a profession this <laughs> at this moment. You said right now. So right this is exactly now. <laughs> in Estonia. Uh, the also happens to be a Mind Valley University event. But uh, but uh, kidding aside. Um, so for your listeners who are out there and in here on the microphone, um, my name is Erwin Benedict Valencia, also known as E, also known as EBV also known as Kuya Irwin, which means older brother on the on the streets of the Clubhouse social media app. Uh, I am a well-being expert and gratitude evangelist. Uh, I'm also known as the godfather of gratitude in the world of the gratitude world, I guess the gratitude mafia that's out there. And, uh, you know, and uh, I, I'm also, I think the funny thing that, uh, and I say that also because there's so many things that I do, mm-hmm. even from a professional standpoint, that I think the one word that has always been an easy way to describe me is a multi-hyphenate, a polymath, or <laughs> as from back in the day, you could also consider me a renaissance man. Uh, but my, my world that I currently live in is the place where well-being, wellness, and high-performance sport is involved. So I've been blessed for a number of years now to be able to not only bring my own personal flavor of healing, uh, of clinical skills, but uh, in the world of high-performance sport, whether that's in professional basketball in the U.S. or or in professional baseball, or it's in English Premier League football, or it's in La Liga in Spain, or it's in Australia or New Zealand, I think there's so many. There's there's only a few people in this world that have both the, I guess, spiritual side of things, but mm-hmm. also the sports science side of things. And I've been mm-hmm. blessed to to be both. Uh, and, and I think it, it's one of those things that uh, that journey just brought me to where I was. And I'm lucky to be representative of multiple worlds, so to speak. I mean, on top of the fact that I, I you know, I'm a nonprofit founder, I'm an NFT founder, uh, you know, I'm a thought leader in the world of Web3 and the metaverse. Uh, and, and of course, more than anything else, I'm a mentor. Uh, I think that what I'm most proud of is my ability to be able to not only coach, but mentor those who aspire and dream 
to be bigger than they are or have the capabilities to. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for, for that <laughs> <laughs> thorough introduction. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, where should I take it from? But uh, mostly you're living in New York now, mm-hmm. am I right? Mm-hmm. But you're yep. traveling around with your team. So I want to emphasize that fact because that's so cool. So you're working mostly uh with nba yes i worked i, I work uh, i've been i've just finished my eighth season with the new york knicks basketball team mm-hmm. as uh the team physiotherapist but also the first ever wellness director in the nba uh the nba Ooh, wellness lead um you mm-hmm. know and so i've always I'm, i just finished my eighth season I'm going to into my ninth mm-hmm. and i prior to that i was in major league baseball as a as the major league rehab director so i've been in professional sports for about 16 years now uh mm-hmm. but in the industry of sports medicine um for probably almost 20. oh wow but what's your background then you say you're like sports medicine yeah so there's a there's a lot so yeah just like my life yeah just like yours (laughs) (laughs) i think we many of those of us who uh can't always contain ourselves to just one thing but rather want to continue to grow Mm -hmm. and and try to evolve accordingly uh we go through many hats no pun intended, and many <laughs> titles. And so, you know, my background, I started at university with physiotherapy, mm-hmm. uh, went to the U.S. to get my, um, to study for my board exams, got my board exams for physiotherapy, um, ended up moving to the East Coast for a graduate degree in uh, sports medicine, athletic training, and strength and conditioning. Spent my summers at Stanford University for my internships to work with more higher level university athletes, mm. and then uh, and then found myself uh, in uh, found myself in, at, at Yale uh, after I finished graduate school for a fellowship in sports medicine uh, and also bioengi- bioengineering and uh, helping out with research, and then went to New York City was practicing at a a high volume moving uh, clinic uh, on 53rd and Madison in Manhattan, uh, seeing about 30 plus patients a day uh, as part of the growth that I needed to have. And then mm-hmm. afterwards found myself uh, working in professional baseball as a uh, like minor league athletic trainer, which is more like your, uh, I think, what do we say, like academy team, like an mm-hmm. academy team, so to speak, in baseball. And then after that, that year later, I uh, found myself in the top team in the, in the highest level team in baseball and stay there for the next seven years. Um, so, uh, you know, with, uh, with regards to education, you know, not, I didn't just go through graduate degrees in, um, in athletic training, sports medicine, strength and conditioning. I also find myself finishing my doctorate degree on manual and manipulative therapies, looking specifically at injuries of shoulders and uh, and elbows, mm. but also continue to study um, osteopathic medicine at the London School of Osteopathy. Uh, went to Australia, went to New Zealand, started a doctoral, another PhD in uh, in New Zealand. I ended up not finishing it, uh, and then um, you know continue on with the personal growth journey stuff. But mm-hmm. now currently. Uh, once again, the academic bug has bugged me mm-hmm. and found myself uh, starting a PhD, probably the first ever PhD on gratitude, particularly as it relates to athlete recovery, wellness, and performance. Oh, wow. That's intense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, uh, uh, where do you get this, uh, like, need uh, for growth or where does it come from? You know, I've always... Uh, it's funny, my life always begins with gratitude. I think I was very lucky to grow up in a space and time uh, in the Philippines with a family that, um, you know, that cared so much about making sure that not only do you do good for yourself, mm-hmm. but you do good for the world and gave you the awareness that there are many that have and have not. And mm-hmm. we, were lu- we were one of the lucky ones to have. And mm-hmm. right outside our doors in the Philippines were many have nots. And it was almost a responsibility for us to be able to help them lift them up. And so I think this, this need to grow, this need to evolve comes from the fact that, you know, I, I'm, I was born lucky. And mm. if I can find a way to continue to evolve in order to inspire younger generations, if, of whether they're Filipinos or not Filipinos, and especially those who are maybe underserved communities and mm. or maybe minorities, particularly in the U.S., if I can serve as an inspiration source for them, that pushes me to be better, to do better, to learn more, mm-hmm. so that then my web gets bigger and allows me then to in turn inspire uh, and uh, motivate more kids around the world. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so beautiful. I think we spoke about it 
yesterday when we had dinner is that uh, I think there's a lot to do here with your culture also, mm-hmm. like the cultural mm-hmm. background, right? Yep. Like that's beautiful how you grew up and like the mentality of taking care of the less fortunate ones. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. kind of the mentality that the, you were. The, the very cultural aspect of that I've completely engulfed is, is, is a word called Bayanihan. Bayanihan mm-hmm. comes from the words Bahai, which means the house. Mm-hmm. and then the nihan is like an, uh, an extension that means community so meaning that mm-hmm. the community takes care of each other's homes so that uh, there's a perfect example for that you'll see pictures if you google what defined is defined as by a nihan is when a when a group of people from the community carry this bamboo house um, called the bahay kubo which is a typical filipino home in the provinces and mm-hmm. you know and instead of building another house somewhere they would just have members of the community pick up the house and physically move the house to a different location mm-hmm. but they did it together as a community so my my sense and love for community nurturing and building comes from my culture of mm-hmm. wanting to make sure that we take care of each other and support each other in every possible way mm-hmm. i so love it it's so beautiful like i really really love that thank you yeah uh, but uh, so when did you get into the gratitude? Like I understand you, it's been part of you mm-hmm. since even before you went like into the degrees and all the like uh, how do we say like science behind yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but how did you get into it? Like tell me about like your personal story, and yeah. then we go into the. No, absolutely. I, I think it, it it began obviously as I just mentioned, you know, being reminded um that we were lucky and that we needed to be thankful for that i think that was definitely ingrained obviously the philippines is uh, a very catholic country mm-hmm. um a very giving country and you know it's something that i think it was ingrained uh, into us growing up mm-hmm. that say hey there's kids in africa that don't have food there's kids in the philippines that don't have food you should be grateful that you have food on your table so that reminder mm-hmm. of gratitude was something i grew up with uh in the philippines but also i think being able to be blessed to have lived in different countries at a young age i was sent to the u.s to live with my godfather when i was eight years old because of political issues happening in the philippines Mm -hmm. Uh, i then the i came back and the year after i lived with a host family in japan and then going and lived there during junior high school and found myself you know by myself but then learning from a different culture and realizing you know how fortunate i had it not only to experience a different culture but also to know the differences between cultures and then the mm-hmm. year after i found myself in indonesia in the same situation uh for junior high school and so i think uh, being aware of how the world works in many different ways not only gave me the sense of gratitude but also empathy of how everyone works like if you're aware of how everyone's culture is then you have a sense of respect for everybody else and then you find yourself grateful for what you have as a culture as a person of how your family raised you um so that's really kind of where that began but i think i just want to stop here for a second yes because for you it's like so natural i see like you talk about it like it's you know it's so normal Mm -hmm. but actually it's not it's not at all like for so many families it's not taken like I don't know a lot of families that grow up like that. Maybe in your culture, it is more like um, norm that people remind you of, like, or their kids, like, you should be grateful or thankful. But I don't think it's a norm in today's mm. world or, or the the way people are growing up. Like, it's so beautiful to see how you're talking about it. Like, it, it was part of your life since yeah. you're, yeah. like, growing up. And that's what you're kind of going ar- uh, around the world and into different cities and countries even and still having that gratitude in you. Yeah, I, I you know what? I, I didn't know the difference. Yeah, I yeah. thought this is what life was about. And, I, uh, you know, I will always be grateful ironically to my parents and, and you know I, mm. I will always say that I was so so blessed that they did a great job with me they did a great job with my sister they did a great job with my brother I think all mm. we can ever ask for our parents is that they do their best and, yeah. and if they and if they instill mm. values within you you make your own decisions in life and even though I was a rebellious kid <laughs> I want to do things differently I think me being sent all over the world was actually a gift rather yeah. than something I would have done I would have done it myself basically eventually mm-hmm. but they did it for me mm-hmm. and i think they had to do it because of political stuff happening mm-hmm. in the philippines and so i was very blessed because i wouldn't if it wasn't for my parents intuition to send me out then i then I, maybe i would not be here today mm-hmm. i would be alive and so um so i think that that comes to that but 
when it comes to you know, first of all, thank you by the way for, for witnessing that and seeing mm-hmm. through that. It is it is something that's natural in mm-hmm. me, and it's something that I've been very very lucky to have been part of my life since day one. And so it isn't like a, an epiphany that I went through. And I know I have friends and colleagues who are in the world of gratitude that maybe something bad happened or they were going through stuff. But me, it, it starts with positivity and from such a young age. And I didn't know the difference. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I thought just everyone was positive. It, exactly. Everyone was grateful. Yeah, you wow. Know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it, it comes natural to me. But I think it wasn't until maybe 2015 that I got focused on it. Mm. And uh, funny enough, it... it you know, like many things in my life, it, it starts with a woman. And uh, in 2014, I I met somebody who, you know, we dated for about a year plus. And in 2015, uh, she was one of these people that was a reminder for me of the need to be accountable for what you are grateful for. She would always say, so what are the three things you're grateful for today mm-hmm. and why? And I go, well, I, for, I've been, I was born grateful. This <laughs> was what I've always said. No, no, no. But I want to know what it is for you today at this moment and why those are what you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. And I and I initially I said, are you trying stop coaching me? You know, because mm-hmm. she was a coach. I was like, stop coaching me, stop trying to coach me. And but uh, you know, it turns out she just wanted to understand what level I was dedicating to the actual practice of gratitude. Mm-hmm. So it was a good reminder, you know, but it and it wasn't until twenty fifteen when we broke up. Um no, twenty fifteen. Uh, and um, uh, she, when she left my life, probably a month afterwards or so, I, I m- missed her asking me these questions mm. and holding me accountable. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those weird situations where I just woke up one day and said, you know what, I just need to, I'll use Instagram to basically share what I'm grateful for and why so I can hold myself accountable, not just to myself, but whoever decides to follow me. Mm. And actually, ironically, it's become such a gift because I've been doing daily gratitude now for six plus years. Oh, and wow. people from all over the world have mentioned, like, man, yeah, you know, you're, I wait for, your, I wait for what, your, what your gratitude is every day. Mm. You know, from, whether they're from India, whether they're from the Philippines. And there's like, yeah, you're, you're speaking truth. And I just love to see because it is a representation of who you are. Mm. And so it's been kind of interesting that, and it's that, that led me to really starting studying it, not only mm. the art and practice of the different ways gratitude is presented, but now the science behind it. Mm. So that's been kind of a fascinating journey. Oh, so you went actually from, well, clearly you did, because first of all, what I hear is that it was part of your childhood, like mm-hmm. it's kind of engraved in you, like mm-hmm. it's in your DNA. Because, you know, it's also like, I love hearing you talk because you're like, oh, I'm so lucky. I was born lucky. I don't hear a lot of people say that. Really? Really. Okay. Yeah. That's so beautiful to to see people because, you know, I don't know if it's because of Europe or like the people I have met or something, but I think it's much more common to be like more in a victim state. More mm-hmm. like, oh, life has been so okay. hard for me. Like it's life is difficult. Like sometimes like for us, it seems that our life is the most complicated one, right? <laughs> like if you're going through hardships, it's like, true. yeah, like yeah, my true. life is the hardest, right? Like you don't hear so many people say, I'm, I was born so lucky. Life has been fortunate for me. Like mm. I just want to spread my love. Mm. Do you think, and, and you know, I'm throwing this question to you. I yeah. know this is your interview here, but it's my interview, but it's your show. Yeah. Uh, do you think maybe... It, the factor, and I'm coming back to me, is that maybe because the, the Philippines is, you know, the only Catholic country in Asia or the only, mm. the, maybe because religion played a massive part, 99% of Filipinos in the Philippines are Catholic. And mm. maybe that maybe. sense of, um, you know, service or whatever it is, it's like a reminder, uh, you know. Uh, maybe that's where that comes from. Yeah. I mean, most of the research has shown anyways that besides happiness as relates to the data with regards to people's almost life satisfactions yes it's mostly scandinavia you know like they would say the happiest place on earth is really is is denmark but that's according to the data from like oh people work you know have a decent job a decent salary they can Mm -hmm. afford things so they have no complaints pretty much that's what some of the data say that they're the happiest people in the world but but if you really look at from a personal perspective the happiest people in the world are those from the countries in third world countries yeah, exactly. because they have nothing but they still love life yeah and, and they I, love yeah. each other the, and the community is like about community yeah and so i think it's really funny and and th- yeah we can continue to talk about research and the data as it relates mm-hmm. to happiness and as it relates to gratitude but 
in the end, as somebody that grew up in a developing country, I witnessed it firsthand every single day mm -hmm. uh, of, of people just being thankful for what they have, even they had nothing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there definitely might be some like truth to it, that religion plays also a big part mm -hmm. in it, because Estonia is not super re religious country. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, I think we're one of the most atheistic people mm -hmm. in the world. So there's a very big community of spiritual spirituality is mm -hmm. a big part here, which is great, which is awesome yep. now for me. It really supports like my mission and my community mm -hmm. right now. But yeah, I think that that might play a big role there. Yeah. And then I, I hear you say that uh, you went into the practice like with your uh, previous girlfriend, mm -hmm. like it, it came into your life more consciously. Yeah. You started practicing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so my, my you know, my, my brain went wild, my heart was on fire, finally discovering that that many of the things that I did intuitively now had evidence to back it up. And there was a university in an an Ivy League university that began the study of it. And that was the University of Pennsylvania and Martin Seligman, who is uh, known to be the godfather of positive psychology, was mm -hmm. one of the first to develop 23 years ago, him and, and Mikhail Chelesmahi, who, you know, who's the godfather of flow, you know, who was the, the guy who started the whole research on flow. They were, they were together creating this new branch of psychology called positive psychology 23 years ago. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, it's funny to think about that because now you're like, wait, people just started studying about how to be happy and to be positive only 20 years ago mm -hmm. when so much of the world has, you know, obviously has changed and so much, there has been so much like wars and there's so much, this, you know, misunderstandings and nobody took a moment to say, we're always thinking about the bad things that happen to people. Why don't we think about the happy things or the good things that happen to people? Mm -hmm. So I was very blessed to have that discovery and find myself going through the positive psychology program at University of Pennsylvania, which gave me that valid validity because not only was I studying positive psychology just in general as a personal research, I was studying it at the place it actually started. Mm. You know, and that was like such a, 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 a an amazing aha moment for me because the first the first paper that was sent to us, okay, this is your homework. The first mm -hmm. homework was about describing who and what defines the happiest people on earth. Mm -hmm. And things that were written there literally described me. <laughs> and I was like, I literally, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the top 1% of the happiest people on earth, mm -hmm. according to research. Mm -hmm. Not even knowing that I was doing it unconsciously. Well, I think me and a lot of your other friends can pack it up. Because you truly are. Like <laughs> I mean, it shows. It shows in your life. Like, how we've known each other, I think, like... Eight years. Eight years now. Mm -hmm. And uh, every time we're in touch or we have a call or whatever, like, there's always this positivity coming out. Clearly, you have some moments also where you're going through some challenging moments, but there's always this positivity, like, just, like, shining out from you. Like... <laughs> It, it really is it is the truth like mm. it really comes out thank you for thank you for seeing me that way yeah thank you for being that light in the world mm. but is now the gratitude part of the positive psychology studies was it like no so that was that was part because uh, you know in the end it, it all comes down to well-being mm -hmm. so what what Martin Seligman and the whole cast and crew at the University of Pennsylvania did is how then do we quantify happiness and what does happiness do in the overall sense of a human being, especially from a mental health standpoint. Mm -hmm. So what they did is they, they created a quantifier, an objective way to measure really th what well-being is defined, and that's mm. defined by the PERMA score. So the PERMA score is really the most objective findings where happiness is just a positive emotion. It's one mm -hmm. of them, and there's five different categories. And if you put that, you come up with a number, with a number and that number will define where your well-being is mm -hmm. at any given point in time and it's it's like a car level like sometimes you're you're happy but then your engagement and your ability to, to maybe study or be in flow is not that good or your ability to um, be part of community is not that high so maybe that's low and so it's like mm. it's an interesting thing to look at especially if you're looking to study overall well-being of human beings and it's been mm. fascinating for me because then it's like I almost found found like a uh, a North Star, mm. a, a North Star. Yes, we live in a wellness world, but wellness has almost been misconstrued with spas and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why when well-being came out, it's like being well, 
It's mm-hmm. like the actual being of being well. And so that really became a North Star for me and helped mm-hmm. me define that there is a possibility for me to study gratitude in an actual scientific sense, mm-hmm. which I now I am through a PhD at the University of Granada in Spain. Mm. Wait, do you remember the five things? The five, like... Yeah, you're going to put me on spot right now. <laughs> of course, like, I knew... Like, I knew that is gonna, the hot spot. <laughs> You knew I you knew I was gonna get that. I was like, it's a, a positive emotions, engagement. Of course, this was like my first exam. Uh, <laughs> positive emotions, engagement. Oh my god. Was there community? Uh, no, it's uh, community under or something. Oh, so, okay. um, oh my god, I hope my teachers don't see this. Don't fail me now. I already finished the program. Uh, so uh, that literally is is class number one. Yeah. Oh my god! Can we look it up? Okay. Yeah, we, yeah, we can look, look it up. It up. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. can put it under the yeah, yeah, podcast. Yeah, perma. As a... So perma score. So remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Positive emotions, engagement, and and technically gratitude as and happiness are actually under. That's why that's why it's always stuck to me. P always stuck to me because gratitude and and uh, and happiness are in the same kind of line as 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 it relates to positive emotions. Mm-hmm. But the difference, uh, what they've seen is with the study of gratitude is that. Gratitude is actually, from a neuroscience standpoint, is the only um, emotion, feeling, or variable that we as humans experience that has no negative polarity. Mm-hmm. So, in the sense, you can be happy, but you can still be sad while you're happy. You can be overjoyed, but kind of be angry at something. But when you're in the state of gratitude, there's nothing else that come come inside you. Mm-hmm. If you're truly in the pure sense of gratitude, yeah. almost like a sense of enlightenment or, or being ultimately mindful or in flow in the sense, but flow is engagement it's another thing there but sometimes mm. with flow you know it's like this temporary thing and then like uh, and then it's gone you know it's it's fading and some of the research kind of has shown that but with gratitude there's certain hacks and practices that when you do that state just lives on in you and it's not and it's a subtle thing that that maybe not everyone notices uh or maybe you don't notice but everyone else notices Mm. so it's kind of very interesting and that's one of those fascinating things and it's like that's why some authors would say and some research would say that 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 gratitude is uh, is is the is the most trans in a sense uh, the most transformative force in the universe even though you would say well you can argue it's like well that's love right mm. uh, but love is there's so many branches of love there's mm-hmm. agape which is universal love there's romantic love but then even in love there's heartbreak you know so there's like so mm. there's still like this negative polarity well that's interesting yeah yeah because i just wanted to ask this question but you kind of already went into it like why gratitude because this positive psychology is such a big like uh, you know there's so many things but you decided to concentrate more on the gratitude but that's exactly i hear the reasons now yeah but like this is one of the reasons but also the fact it's it's, i live through it i began my life with it and Mm -hmm. to be able to find something i can anchor myself in and and actually use the science to then use for for a bigger perspective and to be able to scale it Mm. um, was something I was so fascinated by. And plus, nobody has ever used gratitude in a world of sports Mm. in the way that we're using it as it relates to finding how athletes' wellness levels and and athletes' recovery ability or even the performance on the court. No Mm. one's done that yet. I'm Mm. literally the first person that's doing this. Oh, wow. (laughs) You go. (laughs) I'm proud of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Thanks, my darling. That's cool. That's amazing. So, uh, can you explain, like, how how does the? I just want to go like more into the now the university part. Mm-hmm. Like, did you go from like PA to masters or PhD? Like, how does the? Well, how I, long have you studied it? Well, right now, because because I I already have I already have my first doctoral degree, so this is my second doctoral Clearly. degree. Clearly, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> geek, everybody! I'm a geek. Geek. You can be geek a geek alert. too, and I still look cool. <laughs> Check the hat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sending love to uh, uh, Willie Hampui, by the way. Love in the hat. Thank you, buddy. No, uh, this was a the, the, the funny thing about the PhD program uh, in Granada in Spain is that initially I was trying to find a way to do it in the U.S. I was trying. I, I was thought that maybe I could do it at the University of Pennsylvania because mm-hmm. that's where the birthplace was. But mm-hmm. I think that the challenge for me was the, uh, American universities are so complicated with their PhDs because they want you to actually be full time in it. Mm-hmm be a teaching assistant but also um you know live this kind of you have to still go to classes and live this poor phd situation you mm-hmm. know you have to go through it and you have to go through the struggle when the european model is very different as mm-hmm. you know you you can do it uh, you spend your time on campus and especially now with the world digitally and what pandemic has done mm-hmm. you know if you you know how many people can actually 
complete their programs without having to really be there as long as they complete the studies. And, you know, the requirement for me was to be able to publish three or four articles specifically um, to uh, that tells the story of my overall thesis mm-hmm. uh, and then the experiment that, that comes with it. And so one of the only few universities that, that, that said, hey, I think that's really cool was the University of Granada in Spain. Mm-hmm. And it is because... You know, my little in there was the fact that the head of the clinical medicine and public health program was an old friend of mine who mm-hmm. 10 years ago, maybe not 12 years ago, uh, asked me, he's like, hey, man, if you want to do your PhD, uh, come to Granada, you do your PhD here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of higher up now in the program. This was like 12 years ago mm-hmm. and I can help you kind of get in. But just the communication back in the day when Internet wasn't the best and, and even the professors didn't know how to really use email that much. It was terrible. <laughs> and not only that, he was like, yeah. So we're look, I said, what do you want to study? I was like, I'm thinking something from, you know, let's say the hips. And at that time, I was so fascinated about the hips and hip movement and the back. And he goes, well, there's a researcher that's doing stuff with us from, I think, Sweden that is looking at the pain patterns in the calf muscle. <laughs> and I said, yeah, no, <laughs> I have no interest in just being an expert in how what the pain of my calf is mm, right but is it somehow connected to sports the degree you're doing in gratitude yes, yes. oh really yeah oh that's very specific well, very specific yeah so so the reason mm. also another reason why is that so 12 years later i call i call i call my, my friend manolo guess what buddy mm. i think i want to do this phd with you this time and i talked mm-hmm. to what we're looking at you know i actually want to go towards kind of the mindfulness but also mindfulness and adding gratitude to it. and he goes did you know that my studies have always been sports and mindfulness, right? I go, what? Like 10 years ago? Yeah. He goes, yeah. Why did you tell me that? And he goes, I don't know. You were talking about the hip. So I know you were, you were keen on that. And I was like, so you were saying we could have done this like 10 years ago? Mm. It, clearly, it wasn't my time. There's to a do divine timing. There's a divine timing with everything. Yeah. And I believe that that was, it was mm. now because now I've almost done the work myself to be able mm. to get to the point studying the art of mm. it and now now the science that i've been so fascinated about is now out there mm-hmm. you know because what 10 12 years ago positive psychology had only been a decade old mm-hmm. and i wouldn't have the research to back up the stuff i want now that i'm looking at it on sports mm-hmm. so it, it's really fascinating divine timing wise so i called him and said hey you think we can do this and he's like you know what we actually can because i'm also now the the i'm also now the medical director of uh, the granada football club and and I have conversations with the Granada basketball team too now. Mm. Uh, so maybe we could do your research with the teams already there for you. And I was like, that's good because it's going to be challenging for me to do the experiments in the U.S. because of liabilities, the IRBs, the, the things that you're not allowed to do because of uh, human performance stuff in the U.S. They don't really like to test things because there's so many, especially in the NBA where there's like a, there's a basketball union where the players you have to ask permission about everything. So you can't study anything with them. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'll just take it to another country. And, oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah, that that I really wanted to ask. Like, can you apply that with your MBA team or you're not actually like, using it? I can't do the experiment with them. Hence the reason okay. why I have to do the experiment here in Europe. But then the results I get, I can then replicate. Because technically Europe will be my pilot study. Oh, okay. Then if I get results, publish my papers. People are fascinated. They'll be like, ooh, maybe we should try that in the U.S. Oh, wow. Oh, you mean like do the experiment... In, but can't you use like some other experiments that have done, been done already? Um, just a challenge. The, the challenge of trying to get it done in the U.S. is because, number one, the experiments that I'm looking at, at least with the technology, is based in Spain. Mm-hmm. That we have, like the university has an app that they created as it relates to how to study um, the wellness factors of, of the players. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what I was just going to do is add the element of gratitude mm-hmm. for something they've already been doing. Okay. So that that's why I'm adding that little plus thing to mm. add for them in the so it's very app. specific. That's why very it's better specific. if you do the you have to do the experiment so you can take it back. Yeah. Oh, that would be so interesting. I would love to know the results. <laughs> like well, so see, interesting to see uh, like how I'm the in the how midst of trying to get this experiment going, yeah. uh, funding has uh, has suddenly become a problem because now not realizing when you create an app, you have to always pay money to get the app updated every year like yeah. because the Apple changes every year. Mm-hmm. So you would think that like, oh, we make an app, we'll oh, have an app yeah. forever, it's easy. And they're like, no, to actually update the app in the new iOS that they're coming mm-hmm. up with, you spend like ten to $15,000 a year. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And I did not know that. So now mm-hmm. they're like, okay, we have to figure out a way to raise funds so we can get this app back back online. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God. 
Mm. Now we're almost now I have to be a startup founder again and, mm. and try to ask for money. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fascinating. So I'm on a path to just having conversations with a lot more people in the tech world that I know that like would maybe be fascinated to get the results and mm-hmm. and be able to do the experiment. Yeah, interesting. I'm very looking forward to oh, the results. Thank you. Yeah, because I'm a very big believer in gratitude. So if we can't talk now like so much about the sports world and how the gratitude is changing the results there, uh, I would like to know your personal experience first and then we can talk about the science part mm-hmm. of it. Like why is the gratitude way? Oh, which way should we go? Let's talk about the science first. Okay. Yeah. So why is gratitude good? Why should anyone practice gratitude? Well, as uh, the reason why we, we need to practice gratitude on a daily basis is because, number one, it is the single most transformative force in the universe, according to some researchers, and also because of the fact that it is the one thing that has no negative polarity. So uh, as, as I talked about from my childhood, my parents always saying, hey, you need to be, you know, you're lucky and you need to be grateful that the fact you have food on the table every day while kids outside our door don't. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, it instills this sense of empathy in you as you go through your days and the, the reminder for yourself that you can live fully at a high level of well-being just by simply being grateful. Mm-hmm. And um, and ironically, as I've done that for my own personal self, it's like I, uh, I think I... I don't notice the big differences because it's something I've been living with mm-hmm. since I was a little kid. So, uh, but to see that in people that I've inspired is probably the biggest gift that I've been able to give people. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's my mentorship group, uh, whether it's um, the gratitude gang mm-hmm. from either the metaverse or in real life, I think people uh, people now realize its power. And to be able to take a moment and stop and just be simply be grateful allows you to to then have more love um, from a perspective personally, um, for, for more love, more patience, um, and also have a have a bigger sense of service, not just to self but to others. And mm-hmm. I think that's the reason why for me it, it's been my most transformative, powerful force. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said. The science has also proved it. You know, when you yeah. have more gratitude, you are l- less depressed. You have uh, decreased heart rate. Uh, you know, decreased heart rate and descent when you're in the presence of it, uh, and then which then in turn uh, allows you to have less cardiac conditions. It allows you to have uh, you know more empathy and also gets you um, less fearful of taking risks and stuff like that. So mm. I think there's so many there's so many good things that come out just by simply having a gratitude practice mm-hmm. and there's even levels to that i mean i i do i stack my gratitude hacks like one after the other so that then if my perma score is let's say at the 95 i just want to be 100 every day <laughs> why i can just stack another another hack to mm-hmm. make me even more grateful and mm-hmm. then i can walk out and that's why i radiate with sunshine every day because of the fact that i stack my hacks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I I believe I like the last part that you brought out, and I believe that holds true for me so much. Is like which which I appreciate very much is that taking risk part, because for me, like there's kind of even like no risk. Well, there are risks, but I kind of enjoy them because I'm like, okay, I'm grateful for the lesson. I'm grateful for the growth. Like that is the attitude I'm already like stepping into the world or stepping into the next experience, even if it is fearful. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm sure that like the uh, underlying uh, attitude is already like, I'm sure I'm going to learn from it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some lesson here that I'm after going to see and be grateful for, for sure. Like, I think that's what gratitude is really brought to my life, like, mm. right now. It allows me to evolve or grow mm. in a such a fast pace. Other benefits, for sure, like being happier and, like, you know. Healthier. Healthier, yeah. yeah. Health mm-hmm. is a very big thing. Mm-hmm. And so going into the well-being part of it, you know, the, the what the research has shown is that there's, some, there's a number of different gratitude techniques that mm-hmm. allow for that perma score to stay at the high level some of them may not be as as high hitting so to speak but doing it constantly allows you to continue to build up your perma score and you know live well but there's some that actually you do one of them and it spikes your well-being right up and it stays there for like a month you know and, and then drops back down quickly so i, I think that there's enough science to back up why gratitude is a truly 
transformative force. Mm-hmm. And if you practice it every day, it allows you not only to have your well-being at those high scores from a data perspective, but also to be able to live life mm-hmm. fully. Uh, what is the credit practice that? Did I understand correctly? There's like one practice that spikes up the score. Yeah. So out of all the gratitude interventions that have been true through science and their experiments, uh, the one most powerful um, uh, technique is something called the gratitude letter, also known as the gratitude visit. So the gratitude visit, the gratitude letter, uh, is basically you writing a letter to somebody who maybe you haven't spoken to in a while, or maybe uh, you haven't said thank you for all the years that you guys known each other, or maybe it's somebody you uh, you know you were in a relationship with and broke up, but then you know you wanted to send some love and gratitude for uh, for just the, the experience and the journey, you know. So uh, so the reason why it's so powerful is number one, the gratitude letter is you you basically have to write the letter with your hand. Um, and then you make it plain, you know, there, there's a, you know, for those, you know, whether you're religious or not, there's a verse in the Bible, Habakkuk 2-2 or two or colon 2, that, you know, if you, you write it and make it plain, it shall come true. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's, it's kind of funny because actually from a neuroscience standpoint, that is actually true because you're not using your thumbs to think, but you're actually using your brain to write down something on an organic piece of paper, you know, you know, that allows you to really like give your energy into this piece of paper of your truth mm-hmm. and when you now have to then envelope put that truth in an envelope and present that to that person there's two things that happen from a growth perspective because of the uh, discomfort that occurs mm-hmm. one there's a psychological growth because of the discomfort that occurs from you having to write this letter to somebody mm-hmm. that maybe you don't want to even talk to but now you tell yourself you have to do it number two when you now present that letter to that person and either a read it to that person or have that, read, that person read it to you while you're in front mm-hmm. you know uh, that's a that's 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 a growth perspective from a sociological perspective, because because now there's a social kind of weirdness that occurs, but you have to get over it. Because mm-hmm. once you get through that discomfort, then comes growth and evolution. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and so I think that it's you know to be able to to listen to that and see that those are some of the results is so fascinating because not only do you now grow that feeling of well being after that that occurs of the receiving and giving that occurs from that is by far what they've seen is the 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 number one positive psychology intervention that has the highest degree of change and that change can last for a month oh wow there are some interventions like um three great things like journaling that if you do maybe you do every day they can last longer but it's because you know, it's like taking your supplements. You take a little mm-hmm. bit and every day it builds up, it builds up, it builds up. And to the point that now you're, you're going on for maybe f- well-being wise, you can go up for like four, uh, three months, four mm-hmm. months, six months, and it's still working, but it's like a supplement, you know, little by mm-hmm. little. But with regards to the gratitude letter, it's like taking, let's say this, it's like taking like a, not a supplement, but actually like <laughs> medication to kind of like, oh, that pain medication. And you're like, oh, it's actually taking like a paracetamol or ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, now my pain's better. But yeah. it's doing it for good, yeah. you know. And so, you know, if imagine if we can just write somebody a gratitude letter once a month. Mm. Imagine what what kind of change you can create, not only for yourself, but for each person that you send that letter to. Mm. I mean, that's legacy right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, does there has to be a difference? Like, does it? Is there a difference if I write it to a person who has has hurt me or someone that I'm like genuinely grateful? Or is there a not necessarily? I don't think there's been enough research to support if there was a difference between if somebody that you, that hurt you or that loved you. Mm-hmm. I think it's the mere fact that you're putting the effort mm-hmm. uh, to put that because the, the experiments that they've done and the studies that have to do with number one schools like in Australia with kids. Mm-hmm. There's also been some studies with regards to some sports teams like in California, like college teams and stuff. So, but the main area that they found this very beneficial was really with kids and mm-hmm. the kids that are in the same class or from different classes. And they say, hey, write the person a gratitude letter. So you don't even know that person that well. Um, oh, but wow. but that, that well, but sometimes when kids, you know, when kids slash teenagers, so they did it with the high school, uh, you know, with some of the high school kids. And they, you know, sure, there's, there's always drama in high school. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure one of those letters had to do with somebody that 
mm-hmm. they didn't like or hurt them. Mm-hmm. So they didn't. It wasn't truly defined. Like if there was a massive difference, mm-hmm. I think it's the mere fact uh, that you they are can. writing the letter mm-hmm. and doing the act mm-hmm. is what your well-being scores actually generate. But is there a difference if you read it out or the person reads it out? Do you know? I think the act just need, no, that hasn't been really studied. Mm. Yet. It's just that there's a sharing. They just said that it was read. So okay. they didn't really say like the, the experiments haven't done where if the receiver, like the giver was the one that read it or mm. the receiver was the one that read it. Mm-hmm. They just know there had to be a, something that uh, it was read. And you didn't have to read it out loud. You mm. could just be there reading it. But, but what they say is that that person has to be in front. Oh, okay, because okay. sometimes what happens is that we, there's an escapism that occurs when you say, hey, here's your letter, I'm out. Yeah. Then you actually don't get the full benefit of that discomfort, which then allows you to grow. Mm-hmm. It's like you just hand it over or yes. maybe you yeah, the, the, send the, it by the, post. The intention <laughs> is not real. You, you send it by post. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Unless obviously it's like it's somebody you can't see because yeah. challenges mm-hmm. that are happening in this world and you can't. As long as it's not an email. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. there's no heartfelt uh, occurrence because there's, you don't write it. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. You can even send it and then make a Zoom call yes. where you're reading it so, out. So, great, great point. Uh, this is something that I encourage people to do during the pandemic. It's like, mm-hmm. what if you can't fit? That was a great question. I did a number of talks about gratitude during the pandemic online. Mm-hmm. And so, so they asked me that. What if we can't see each other because of this pandemic? I was like, well, send the, exactly I did. I said, send the post mm-hmm. and then make a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. And, and make sure you're not distracted by anything. Make sure that this is set in time. Don't change it. Don't change your schedule. So make sure you're very intentional and purposeful mm-hmm. of having this time together, particularly because it's pandemic, mm-hmm. to have that letter read and received. Mm-hmm. So our listeners, for me, it's so important that the podcast is just not us talking. I really hope, like from most of the podcast that the listeners can take some practical tools into their life. Mm-hmm. So I would really want to stop here and emphasize that. So if you want to take anything out of our today's talk with Irvin, <laughs> then please do that. Like, please write a letter to someone that you want to uh, express your gratitude for and do it by hand send it well first choice would be to go to see them in person and have them read it in front of you or if you can't meet then send it and have a zoom call yeah an intentional zoom call yes so please do take that if you take anything take this thing by the way did you just call me Irwin? that's maybe the first time did i've I, ever heard like, oh, you that's the, weird. the weird awkwardness in your face when you said that i'm like uh Irwin, yeah. <laughs> But can you give some other gratitude practices? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the simplest ways to give gratitude, beginning with yourself and the fact you're being alive, is one of the first things I do when I first wake up in the morning. I put my, my, my right hand on my heart and put my left hand over my right hand. I take a nice deep breath and I just breathe in even before I open my eyes. After I wiggle my toes, I breathe in, take a nice deep breath. And then I, and then I smile and I breathe out because what? I'm alive. I'm grateful the fact that I'm alive and I can take a breath um, because breath is the one thing that we are given when we first come to this earth and it's the last thing that's taken away when we leave this earth. So mm. why not be grateful for that to begin with in your day? And then after that, um, so I'm describing you my, my hacks, my stacks, when I stack my That's gratitude. super important. So, I, I want to like emphasize that too. It's like if you don't feel, if you want to start and we're inspiring you right now to start gratitude because there's so many benefits that are even scientifically proven. So if you don't know what to be grateful for, breath. Yeah, start with Just breath. Start being with alive, breath. breathing. You know, exactly. That's start with that. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, another intervention is the gratitude journal, or just writing three things that you're grateful for. Um, so the so that's what I would do. I would go right after, I go to my bed, write on my journal what are the three things that I'm grateful for. But then I also add that other essence of accountability. Why am I grateful for that? Mm-hmm. You like you can say like oh, I'm grateful for coffee. But why? Mm-hmm. And if you just because it's such a it's such a weird fad thing nowadays to just say, hey, I'm grateful for blank. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason behind it. And mm-hmm. so I think if you if you allow yourself to stop for a second and say, why are you grateful for coffee? Because you say because your coffee starts my day mm-hmm. or allows me to have enough energy or it's a ritual that mm-hmm. reminds me of a beautiful time. I, uh, you know, I spent time in Guatemala and I was in a coffee farm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think by doing that, it actually ties it to a real memory or a mere fact in your life, which then helps you have a better perma score and a better well-being. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, and then three, then I go into a gratitude meditation. So you know, I go in there, I set the intention of just like looking at what am I downloading at this moment in time of what I'm grateful for. It's not a conscious way of writing down, but rather more of a subconscious way of saying, okay, what am I actually grateful for? And I wait for that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm grateful, but but with the intention of being grateful for something, and so I do that, and you know, and I you know I dance for like a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and be thankful that I have a body to move, mm-hmm. and so I stack all of these one on top of the other. So, but what would you say to people who can't? Like, there's so many people I have um, met who say like, yeah, okay, I can list those things, but I really don't feel it. I mean, like, there's nothing coming up. Like, I really don't feel I'm grateful for my breath. Like, I mean, okay, I can say it, but, like, there's nothing to it. Hmm. I mean, first of all, that's quite fascinating because we breath is definitely something that's hard not to be grateful for because you'd be dead otherwise. Uh, but but maybe in a sense, I don't know if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. maybe it's just the awareness isn't there yet of of the difference of whether having or not. So, mm-hmm. so I say that, like, I think maybe people that don't are not grateful for the breath never had something in their life that have happened that they didn't have that breath anymore mm-hmm. or have a family member maybe die of lung cancer, you know, or mm-hmm. something. I think sometimes people have to get on their journey to realize that, that they are lucky, that they are, they should be grateful for something, mm-hmm. including breath. Mm-hmm. But would you say that for them, it would be better to start practicing it, even if they don't feel the yeah. gratitude? Yeah, and, and I, I think you should. I think that, and, and the one thing, one easy thing, uh, if you don't want to go too deep into it, it's just writing a journal. Like, just literally, I mean, you can, on your own, if you don't feel like it, you, you, on your own, you can, you can just write three things you're grateful for. But there are journals out there that prompt it, mm-hmm. and now it makes you have to think. And when you prompt it, I think sometimes for those who are not used to journaling or don't like having to do that, I think having a, a, a journal that already prompts you like the five minute journal plugging um, <laughs> allows you to, it's an easy way to get into it. Mm-hmm. And then once you continue, now you, you stack a habit, you start doing it for 21 days to 23 days. Now it's a habit. Now you continue to do it. Now you get even deeper in the practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is there anything else you would like to share or we can stop it here? Uh, make sure to visit my Instagram page to get your daily gratitude. <laughs> 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 whether to be inspired by me or just a mere fact as a reminder that you need to be grateful yeah and if you're in the nft world make sure to, to, to check out gratitudegang.io because that is i think for me has been fascinating because now it's not only turning into a, a community on the internet or online in the metaverse but it's becoming a real life thing mm-hmm. and uh and i'm excited to see where it goes yeah me too super yeah. excited Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing those tricks. I hope we can like hold some events soon online or even here. Like we had an amazing, amazing I event. Know, Thank right? you for having it here in Estonia. It was amazing with like all the international people. And thank you. Thank you. Of course. It's my pleasure. My honor always. Thank you for listening.